Are you happy we aren't doing a shot this time? Yes. But like, so when we were at the liquor store a couple days ago, you said something about me wanting martini glasses. And then I remembered the shot that I did last week is also a martini, a lemon drop martini. I'm like, I could sip on that. Well, it's a martini in that like, okay, here's this shot as a drink. Yes, but like, you could say that for a regular martini and a vodka shot. So it's like tomato, tomato. Butts in the Seats podcast, episode 12. Woo! We had to actually remember to do intros this time. I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And we have to remember to do Twitter outros because I've had to uh, go back in and record them the last two episodes. Yeah, so if they sounded different, hot. that's why. That's, yeah, we're not doing too hot on that. We just kind of like do the cold open and just like hop right into it. We can do a cold open. Yeah, true. But, anyway, welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Yeah, episode 12, part one of the build... To Super Brawl. Which is already building better than the past builds. Yes. I think. And it was minus the third episode. Yeah, it was boring. But we have like a card building, which is fun and different. Yeah, somehow they've actually managed to announce matches on this. I don't even know know how the hell that works. It's a wild concept. We also have the episode that we are talking about playing on mute in the background, just for funsies. Yeah, I don't know if that'll affect anything, but... um, yeah, so we're going to go through a couple episodes, skip some bits, just to kind of uh, get to the pay a little bit faster. Significantly less Norman Smiley in this build. No Norman Smiley. Well, no, know. actually, no, it's not true. He shows up very briefly. Yeah, but significantly less. Yes, so I'm hoping he doesn't have... I, I didn't peek at the Super Brawl card this time. I'm just kind of going with, like, what would I normally, like, skip away from? Oh, I thought you built this off of the Super Brawl card. I, I was before, and this time it's just like, this feels like it's building to things, because okay. I've kind of learned that sometimes they just put matches in, and so, I, you know, it's like, oh, let me find all of the, the build for Finley versus Van Hammer. <laughs> Ugh. Talk about boring. <laughs> anyway. So we start with the January 18th, 1999, Monday Nitro. Oh, it is 99. I wrote down 1998. I did that for a little while. I managed to stop doing that. But uh, we opened with some Nitro stills from the tag team match. It sold out. Mostly of the post-match beatdown. Yeah. And then we get a scene from earlier tonight of the Horsemen talking about what happened. And Rick just generally losing his shit. Tossing plastic trash cans. (laughs) But like... They're like office trash can kind of size, you know, oh, like, yeah. like small ones. So it's nothing impressive. He's just fucking this thing around. No. And what I noticed in that segment, too, it was like these guys were just sort of standing backstage. And it's very obvious that a producer was like, and action, because that's when all the like the discourse happened, I suppose. Like as soon as they said action, that's when Flair was like, oh, I have to be angry and upset now. And he like, I, I think he threw two trash cans into just like a metal wall i don't remember it, it it's like a garage door a garage kind of thing. yeah yeah that's what i meant he was just like a little too angry i mean you'd be pissed too but it's also just like i know what happened just last night but it seems like you were very freshly mad because you're on camera you know what i mean exactly that's why i'm like like this didn't just happen go. yeah yeah it was a little too much so we then cut to inside the nwo limo Ugh, i really don't like these segments i find them really dumb and they brag about whipping David Flair at sold out. And they do like, oh, Wolfpack in the house. And I'm like, NWO has a general branding issue. You did point this out. Like, 
are you the NWO or are you the Wolfpack? Yeah, and I think it was it sold out where you were like, was there ever a Wolfpack or was NWO always Wolfpack? And we will get to that during a promo because there okay. is a uh, there's a line in one of these promos that's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? But and Hogan will also note that they are the black, red, and white. So I'm like. Yeah, and they seem to come out to different themes. Although, oh, you know what? I don't think we heard the NWO theme. It's all the Wolfpack theme. Yeah. Right now. I will take that. So, Flair and the Horsemen realize that they're arriving and they come attack the limo with a tire iron. And <laughs> Rick swings it at the window, misses the first time. He hits, like, the door and then he smashes it in the second one. Yeah, he smashes the window. And then they cut into the uh, limo again while they're leaving and... Pretty sure that window's not broken. There's no glass anywhere inside that limo. So Rick then storms to the ring, and Gene is just there walking with him. And I guess now it's going to be an interview. Rick coming out in the leather jacket. I have to ask, because it's the same role as Bischoff. Is he Leather Daddy Flair? He's not quite Leather Daddy, because he's Rick Flair. He's not Daddy. But he's like... I think Lacey Evans would have a word. Okay. If, um, we're not talking about 2021 Ric Flair right now. I don't want to talk about it. But he's more along the lines of, like, if your father or your grandfather found a leather jacket from, like, the 60s or 70s and are like, I feel like being cool. Like, look, I'm hip like the kids. That's, what he, that's the vibe that he gives me. So we do get our... Flair notes that he is the president, and he tells Hogan that he still has to wrestle per his contract. He can't go do anything else. He's still got to wrestle. The uh, presidential bid seems to be <laughs> fluctuating. Yeah, I did note that in that sentence of, like, you're a wrestler, you work for me, he said, you can't go out and make movies, you can't travel the world, but he doesn't say you can't run for president. I guess he can. He also says that at Super Brawl, it's going to be Hogan versus him for the title. That's our first Super Brawl match on the card. Mm. Main event, Ric Flair, we, Hulk Hogan. That's already more than sold out. And there's a title match. Yeah. So we got that going. I think I called that. Probably. Because it's basically, it's, right now it's him or Goldberg, and Goldberg seems to be doing uh, very unrelated things. Yeah, he's kind of on the back burner right now for storyline purposes, I guess. Flair generally shows some great fire here, but it's Ric Flair. He always shows exactly. great fire. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little too much. I think that he goes overboard a lot. A little bit. Flair says that Hogan will have to kill him to stop him from killing Hogan. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about with him a going little, a little too far? Yeah. He's a little got, he's got a little too much fire. He, could, he gets crazy eyes a lot. He also says that he is a 14-time world champion in which they constantly flip-flop whether or not it's 13 or 14 times. Yeah. You... You said that it's four. You say it's fourteen, right? I think it's thirteen. Okay, I don't know, because like I think he says fourteen, and then Gene and commentary say thirteen. I just know by the time he leaves WCW, it's sixteen in quotes because he has other world championships that they don't count. And at a certain point, what's a world championship? Just like a territory championship. Right. Flair also says that Hogan isn't mad enough to go one on one, noting that he always has some backup. So is now the time to mention the Hells Angels? Because we kind of skirted around talking about them because we didn't really know much. And then I looked into them a little bit and I'm like, 
when you have your own Wikipedia page about criminal activities, I'm like, oh, we we really uh, yeah, because like, passed we had, over that one. We had like I guess an off mic conversation about the Hell's Angels, and I was very wrong. I thought they were like this charitable organization that's like these do gooders like trying to change the reputation of a motorcycle gang. Apparently, I was very very wrong. I don't know what I'm thinking about, but. I mean, I imagine they do some to kind of like, you know, you know how the mob has like an Italian restaurant. It's like, no, I'm just, hum- I'm a humble pizza man. I don't do anything. <laughs> don't look in the freezer. Allegedly. Everything we said, allegedly. Exactly. Yeah. So you looked up the Hells Angels. You looked up their Wikipedia page and they're apparently non, not too savory. No. If you are a member in a different country, you are like barred from coming to the U.S. Uh, one country has like straight up outlawed them. And, yeah, it's, uh, they're not the best. No. And I also did not, we didn't realize they were international. No, I did not. Although, we do get an appearance in uh, the upcoming episodes from somebody who used to be a Hells Angel and then became an actor. Oh. See? Up and up and coming. Up and coming group of boys. Yeah, but he had to leave to become an actor. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from the Hells Angels, because... Yes. Everything we're saying is alleged. It was all on a Wikipedia article, so everything we could be saying is false. Flair claims that Bischoff is behind pretty much everything that's been going wrong the past couple weeks and tells him to come out. Bischoff comes out and it's like, I had nothing to do with last night. You can't prove shit. <laughs> you don't know jack shit, buddy. So he then books himself versus Bischoff, but Bischoff notes like, listen, per my contract, I have to do, you know, all the demeaning things you're making me. Don't have to wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's not my contract. I only wrestle when I want to. So Flair then offers that if Flair loses, he can shave his head and he'll like go away forever. Like once again, yeah. like really overstating the stipulation. It's like I, Rick Flair, will be bald and I will also disappear. No, you won't. Bischoff says no. So Flair's like, I'll give you the company back. And I'm sorry, this is where he says that I'll go away forever. Oh, so it's like, okay. get the company back and Ric Flair's gone forever and... You might as well just add, and I'll blow you, because it's not going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, so he booked himself in a hair match, essentially. In a one-way hair match, because it was not hair versus hair. David Flair then comes out suddenly and like pushes Bischoff aside on the way to the ring, grabs the mic, and immediately just starts shouting. Yeah, he he saw one man cut a promo and that man was his father so he's like that's how promos work i have to scream i have to take my shirt off and i have to keep screaming yes that's it well see he failed he did not take off his shoes and chuck them into oh, the, you're right. the crowd he also didn't um do an elbow drop on the mat or his shirt or his shirt you're right no elbow drops well flair does earlier but that's, that's unrelated but it was just it was wild watching david flair cut this promo because like his voice conveys so much anger and emotion. His face doesn't move. No. His face is still blank stare. No- nothing's happening behind those eyes. So David Flair then says, no, I want to fight Bischoff. And Bischoff agrees and is like, oh, no, 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 you made the match. Ah! It's like, Ric Flair's the president. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Well, the Bischoff can just back out, but it's not like... Bischoff's word isn't binding here. <laughs> Flair does agree because they add the it is now hair versus hair and it's actually a little bit more than that because Rick says 
if we beat you, Eric, we shave your head and your ass. <laughs> yeah, you gotta throw that in there right at the end. We went, we went a long way just to get to, it is David Flair versus Eric Bischoff. Bischoff and Rick's hair are on the line. And maybe Bischoff's ass. And if Bischoff wins, he gets the company back and Rick is gone forever. And Jesus Christ, there's so many stipulations on this that... It's so obvious what's going to happen. Like, as soon as that was booked, I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen Ric Flair with a shaved head. Did you know that uh, he almost did at one point? Really? It was right before he came to WWF in 92. The promoter, I forget if it's Crockett or Hurd or somebody who was a little bit out of touch was like, Ric Flair is not a draw. We want you to shave your head and go by Spartacus. <laughs> no. I hope he was fired. Eventually. Good. He was running the company mostly. Spartacus. Yes. Can you imagine Ric Flair coming out and being like, my name's Spartacus? Oh, God. He wanted him to do something else stupid, too, as part of that gimmick. I forget (laughs) what. Overall, bad idea. Terrible. Oh, and additionally, during that, Flair said no. So the guy fired Flair, but Flair was still the champion. Oh, shit. So he just took the belt with him. Good. That's so stupid. So after that, we get to the Nitro opening. More Nitro stills, now with Hall and Goldberg from last night. Afterwards, we skip a little bit, including the Nitro girls, I know. Be heartbroken. I I do enjoy the Nitro girls sometimes. So the first match we're going to talk about is Chris Jericho versus Booker T, which got made last night at Sold Out. No... Real strong reason, but, you know, enough of a reason. It was basically just like Booker T saying, you didn't deserve to win. And Jericho being a little cheeky asshole. Yeah. So that's enough of a reason. That's more of a reason than a lot of matches get, so I'll take it. Yes. I know that there's probably no grand story elements here, but the match should be pretty good, so we can peek in on it. A lot of stalling to start by Jericho, followed by some chain wrestling, and Jericho is very constantly complaining to the ref to start this. (laughs) I also noted that they're like their gear is kind of matching in this. They're both kind of wearing the same color palette. A little bit. Booker still has all of his like Harlem Heat gear. Is that what this is? Harlem Heat? Yes. It's his tag team with, with his uh, brother. I forgot that was a thing. We never really watched any of it. I forgot that Stevie Ray was his brother. <laughs> We're still waiting on payoff from that storyline. You're right. But again, I have the perfect wrestling brain. I have the perfect memory for wrestling bookers and producers. I forgot that he was related to Stevie Ray, so I forgot about that build-up and that argument, whatever. So it doesn't matter if it gets paid off to me. Well, I tell you who didn't forget stuff is the uh, is the guy who brought a G.I. Bro sign out with him. Oh, what? G.I. Bro is one of uh, Booker T's old gimmicks. Oh, okay. It's just like, oh, look, I'm a smark. Somebody can remember this stuff. I am not that somebody. And I am the person that they target. Well, also, it's also a bad thing because anything they build towards, you're like, I don't remember this. I'm, well, yeah, but like, Also, she'll remember more than three weeks considering a pay-per-view build is, you know, this one's five. How long ago was the Stevie Ray thing? Probably about three weeks. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It was after World War Three. No, it wasn't. I like the World War Three. I don't think I don't think it was after Starcade. 
I'd like to go back and check on that because I really think it was a lot longer ago. Keep in mind, we only started watching the pay-per-view before World War Three. I mean, yeah, but Stevie Ray and Booker T were siblings for about three minutes of our watch, so... <laughs> You're saying three minutes, like, a little bit longer than that in real life, but, uh... Well, I still don't know. Are they actual, like, yes. shoot brothers? Yep. Oh, okay. It's pretty good back and forth with this match. Jericho ends up hitting a... Best I can call it is a triangle springboard clothesline to the outside. That's a mouthful. He basically does his triangle dropkick move, but it results in a, you know, springboard clothesline to the outside. So mm. it's pretty as close as I can get. I didn't say it was bad. I just said it was a mouthful. He goes for a cocky pin. Booker obviously kicks out, <laughs> but we do not get a rest hold. And I ask him right after. Not immediately. No, this match actually goes for a while, a good back and forth before we get like a real rest hold and a ask him. I think I was talking about like, man, these guys are just going. They don't yeah. rest hold. And then like, immediately it's like, oh, rest hold. But still, they went a while. On the outside, Jericho chokes Booker with a cable. <laughs> DQ. This spot happened a lot in this it build. It did. After a few weeks of not having any borderline DQ moments, there were a handful in this one. Give or take. I mean, there were a few. I didn't actually notice the cable in this one. Yeah, it's brief. We get a flying nothing from Jericho, which I believe I also correctly called. Yes, you did. And you called it in a, like another match down the line. Because that is what we're calling that now. That has been coined as the flying nothing. Yes. Where he just jumps off the top rope and immediately gets like low blowed or something. It, it usually ends up with a boot to the face. Oh, I thought it was a boot to the balls. No, it's usually... Oh, okay. Boot, boot to something. Yeah, various areas. After the flying nothing, Booker starts his comeback, hits a scissor kick, and then a spine buster. It's a real nice spine buster, it too. It was. They called it something else, too, and I'm like, no, it's a spine buster. Yeah, they don't really have the same names for moves as WWF, and I don't know if that's intentional. No, they also sometimes give something a name and then stop calling it a name, mm. where, like, he has his, like, jumping sidekick, because he hits that after a spinneroonie, and later they call that a Harlem sidekick. Mm. Which I'm going to call that because I don't really have a good name for those. Yeah. Do they call it the Spinneroonie? I don't know, think they do. You know, I don't know. I don't think they do either. I noticed that in like another match of his, they just say like a breakdance move. Well, right now he's kind of using it as a way to like get up off the mat. Which or... I'm totally okay with. I hate the Spinneroonie as a taunt. I do not mind it as a way to get from laying on the mat to standing. It just seems so excessive in that regard. Nah, I like that. I like it when it's deliberately excessive in a taunt. Here, it's just like, just get up. But after the Harlem sidekick, Booker hits a missile dropkick with a, uh, I know it's a rock stunner cell. Because Jericho <laughs> yeah. like bounces halfway across the <laughs> ring, off the ropes, and then in position for the pin. And he gets the win. Yeah. This is a pretty good match. I really enjoyed this match. This was a lot of fun. Safe to say it was better than anything on Sold Out? I'd say that's safe, yeah. Yeah. So, that's our first match. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it as much as I expected to. I think I can say, I'm like, it's Jericho Booker T. Like, these guys shouldn't put on a bad match. It was a really good way to start the show, too, because it was a lot of, like, energy, high-flying, like, Yeah, the crowd, the crowd was into it, too, yeah. which helps. Yeah. Yeah, because neither of these guys are NWO either, so it's like, ooh. Thank God. Oh, man, if Jericho ever went NWO, I think I'd be like, that's that's it for me. Yeah, no, he never did and never does, even when they come over to WWE. No. So, unfortunately, nothing comes from this match. Just a nice little detour for us. 
But uh, next up, we get a Mean Gene interview with who, Emily? J.J. Dillon. J.J. Dillon. You, never, you, you now are aware of J.J. Dillon. <laughs> he came out and they were like, J.J. Dillon in the ring with Mean Gene. And I literally went, oh, that's J.J. Dillon. Got it. Okay, cool. He's just generic middle-aged white man with glasses. I'm sorry that they all look the same. Okay, you can't have it both ways. They have glasses or they bald. Both! <laughs> they are both. They are balding at the minimum. Yeah, all right. So in WCW, you either have long blonde hair, yes. you're bald, yes. or you wear glasses. Yes. Okay. Or some combination of the three. You can't be bald blonde. I guess Hulk Hogan. Some combi- Hulk Hogan, oh, wore, well, I guess he wears sunglasses, so. I said some combination of the three. Anyway, J.J. Dillon comes out and he notes that he has suspended referee Scott Dickinson. Oh, no. If you've forgotten, Scott Dickinson is the ref who has been screwing over Perry Saturn. Yes. Fair call there. I would suspend him, too. It's like, you know, I'm not going to fire you. Like, go get your shit together and come back. I don't think we ever, like see the end of that at least not in this build that we're watching i think you said it was for 30 days 30 so days? okay i guess we will like right after super roll he also books a triangle match between hall bam bam bigelow and goldberg for tonight so we seem to have two main events now because we have that and the flair bischoff match hmm. he then talks about being impartial in terms of who he's rooting for in that match but then notes that his dad is, like, dying. And he's like, I know my dad would be rooting for David Flair. And it's like, oh, okay. So you can be impartial, but your dying father doesn't have to be. And he's rooting for David. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, bud. I'm like, weird, you know. Weird way to show your partialness. Partiality. I was going to say, just weird time to bring up your dad. <laughs> Sounds like you really need to talk about it. <laughs> Do you just need a friend, JJ? John John? No, JoJo's. We'll talk later. Yeah, not much here, but, you know, I kind of don't mind that J.J. Dillon comes out and is like, here's the information you need. Goodbye. Yeah. like that, I have to go now. My planet needs me. <laughs> that is appreciated. So, our second match of the night is David Flair versus Eric Bischoff. And yeah. both of us were like, wait, what? Now? It just happened so quickly. And I don't know about you, but I was expecting a weird finish and them to have to come back to this later in the night. I was not, actually. But no, they. Th- this whole segment happens here. What I thought was funny was at the beginning of the show, Eric was like trying to get to the backstage, like he had to get ready for this match or whatever. He just comes out. The only thing that's different is he's in a different t-shirt. He might be in different pants, too. I don't know. But I yeah, think- I noted, we did note that he's wearing the other nwo shirt because he was wearing the black and red yeah and now he comes out in the black and white yeah i don't know why it's just like i gotta get ready for this match changes (laughs) t-shirt we also get an appearance we have not seen somebody in a while during bischoff's entrance wildcat willie appears in the background he's still so disturbing looking and like i went to a high school where the mascot was a wildcat and my mascot looked like a wildcat like when we were at football games you can tell like oh that's a wildcat what, what is the a wildcat fuck look is like? this thing a cat what is this thing this thing belongs in like fucking barney this is not a cat it's not a dinosaur either 
it's okay fine give it to sesame street then there's who knows what's on sesame street like go there you're not a cat you're not a wildcat get out of here strong words from emily here i hate wildcat willie you're gonna look like a wildcat look like a wildcat so can't hide that wildcat right david comes out in his you know shorts t-shirt nothing crazy Mm-mm. and the match starts and i wrote you know you're fucked when eric bischoff is the better worker out of the two of you yeah Thankfully, this was not a horribly long match. Yeah, because David just kind of stands around staring at Bischoff, who, like, throws some kicks. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, as soon as it started, I knew this was going to be a terrible match. Because, like, they were both waiting for something to happen, like, from each other. Yes. So, I think what they're waiting for is Bischoff knocks David down, and... The referee, who is Randy Anderson, a.k.a. the referee that Eric Bischoff fired when he had cancer, appears to hand David Flair something. Like, it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. We had to go back and watch it a couple of times. Yeah, because David then just throws a punch and knocks out Eric Bischoff and pins him. And we're like, wait, what? Like, that's it. (laughs) There was a point in this where, like, Bischoff gets David into the corner and, like, tries to stomp on him and step on his chest. And even, like, a fuck you move, like, just standing on top of somebody, he made that look lame. It looked so bad. Yeah, so David Flair pins Bischoff. He is now one. They can shave Bischoff's head. And he stands <laughs> over him and appears the weapon he had was a roll of quarters because he opens the roll and, like, pours it all over Bischoff. So the horsemen then come out to help David shave his head slash, I guess they're just going to do it because I guess Rick gets to shave his head. I don't know. And Mongo comes and puts two quarters on Bischoff's eyes. Which was good. That was a good little piece. It's also a spot he really liked because he does it again at the end of the segment. But also, Mongo's back. Yes, Mongo is back (laughs) and Mongo will be gone very shortly, we found out. He's just here to say hi and bye, basically. He has a match tonight, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So, Flair uses the buzzer with... I don't know the best way to describe it because I'm not a barber. But it has, like, the different, like level clipper kind of things where it's like you know the difference between like oh give me a two on the side give me a four on the side kind of thing so it doesn't shave bischoff bald it just gives him a buzz cut yeah and even then it's a fairly long buzz cut too yeah it wasn't it didn't look bad like he he ended up with the haircut i have yeah (laughs) yeah the level didn't look bad however oh my god you seem more upset about this i'll (laughs) let you take it it was just funny it's, it became blatantly obvious that Eric Bischoff... We knew Eric Bischoff dyed his hair because he comes out in diff- varying levels of black hair versus brown hair. I notice it. I don't know if you do. I also notice it in his beard. So we know that he dyes his hair. But it's comes. it becomes very apparent that he hasn't dyed his hair in a while when they shave. Because he goes from having like a full head of dark brown hair... To very quickly having a stripe of just gray and all the hair that falls off of his head is all just gray. And it's just, it's very clear that all the dye is just right on the surface of his head. And then it just gets shaved off and he's just gray. <laughs> yeah, commentary makes a bunch of like roots kind of jokes. Oh, it was so sad to watch. It was, it was shocking. Like, it was shocking how much gray hair came off of him. Because like you look at him and you think, oh, he's got a full head of brown hair. Like, dark-colored brown hair. Nope, it's all gray. This is all just a facade. Everything's fake. Nothing is real. 
So they shave his head and Bischoff ends up waking up at the end. And for some reason, as the horsemen are leaving to like no music or it's right before the music hits. You know how for the NWO entrances, like they have sound effects. Mm. An evil laugh plays over the PA system. It's real weird. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's so brief. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Bischoff then grabs his shaved hair and like puts on his head and like tries to like run off. Just to put it back on his head. Yes, because that's how hair growth works. Yes. But I, I don't remember who he shouted this at, but like... He shouted at somebody as they're walking off. He said, you did this to me with like his shaved head. I'm like, yes, Eric, that was the point of the match. Yes, they shaved your head. They yes, did this it was, to you. It was vague. I think he was yelling it at the ref. I'd like the ref to believe him. that he was shouting it at Ric Flair. It's like, might just have a fact. <laughs> you did this to me. <laughs> it was funny. The match is bad, but it didn't go for terribly long. And... It was a one, less than that. I was like, it was a one hour build to this, probably less. Build this up a little bit. Book it for next week. Why yeah. are you having Immediate. Bischoff suddenly have his head shaved with no warning? Yeah, I don't know. And like to the point where I'm like, did you plan this at all? So Bischoff terribly dyed his hair for the comedy or is that just actually how Maybe he dyes his hair? Maybe if they had to wait until next week, he would have had to re-dye his hair. And he's like, I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to redo it. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) yeah, he spends most of the next segments in like hats and stuff anyway. And it's not that long. So it's not all that embarrassing. It's really not that bad. Get some just for men on that gray buzz and you'll be fine. Next up, we go backstage with Chris Jericho and J.J. Dillon. And Jericho comes to J.J. Dillon is like, yeah, um, so Saturn's not wearing his dress all the time. And if you look here in this crumpled up contract, it says that he has to wear it all the time. Which was a debate that we had when this thing, when this whole thing was booked. Because I heard Jericho say it was a like, you had to wear this dress the whole time. Like from now until the, the rest end of, of your career. The rest says. of your career. And commentary just kept saying he has to wear it if he loses the match. Like for undetermined amount of time i'm so glad they brought it back because i was like i heard the stipulation yeah because apparently perry saturn's like oh i have to put it on at the end of this match and that's it and i'm like no but they never clarified that that wasn't right yeah like commentary is even like oh jericho found a loophole it's like wasn't that the stipulation but jd dillon's like yeah sorry perry like you signed a contract it's like, you know, hey, we probably both should have seen this, but uh, it's in here. You signed it. Put the dress on, buddy. Yep. And uh, Jericho is yelling at both of them, like from off camera. <laughs> but he keeps calling J.J. Dillon JoJo. He just keeps yelling, do your job, JoJo. So, yeah, Perry Saturn now has to wear a dress. To which he fucking owns that shit in the upcoming weeks. Because, oh, yeah. He starts putting makeup on. Yeah, he has some eyeliner. Like, he's wearing, like, real form-fitting stuff. Way, um... My gut would say sluttier, but I wouldn't really apply here. Not even sluttier. It's just like way it's more, more form fitting. Yeah, than the one that he was forced to wear at the pay per view. He was forced to wear a muumu, and he goes from a muumu to a like skin tight long dress. I don't know if they have a match Super Bowl. It doesn't really seem like they're building a terrible amount. It's like that's a kind of a feud right now, yeah. but uh, we'll see how much that picks up in the upcoming weeks. We then get Conan coming out to the ring. And sharing way too much information. 
Yes, but I noted first that he's, you know, doing his dance down to the ring. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be all fired up and pissed off? And he just comes down and does his all Mira usual stick. Yeah. Are you rowdy, rowdy and bowdy, bowdy? Please don't say that word at me. He calls Nash and Luger punk mark busters. Yeah, what? <laughs> Three different insults just combined into one. Okay, I didn't even hear that. Yeah. He calls them punks, marks, and busters. He also drops a bit of knowledge that um, adds a wrinkle to this show that just kind of pissed us off more than anything. I don't even know if he realized he was doing it. He talks about when he was in the wolf pack. There were plenty of moments for them to like go beat down Hulk Hogan, like mm-hmm. take him out. And Nash would always say, like, no, like not not yet. You know, we, we're going to. Yeah, it's not the right time. We have a plan. And so it's like, oh, so the plan was to join back up. Which means the entire wolf pack being faces and separate was a fucking scheme. Yeah. They didn't reconcile. It was all a scheme. Their whole plan the entire time was to lead up to the finger poke and just reunite. Which a lot needed to go right for that. Yeah. Then again. They're also the bookers. Well, then again, I don't know how much of it was, you know, at that exact point. I don't know how much of the timing they would have planned perfectly. I don't know. But, but, yeah, so basically, if you were in the wolf pack and you didn't get taken up to the NWO, you were just being played? I guess. All three people who, yeah. all three of the people who were in the wolf pack? Yeah, so Conan, Disco. Savage. No, Disco was never in the wolf pack. Is Savage in the wolf pack? He was before he left. I think of him as NWO. I think that's because last time you saw him, he was wearing a black and white shirt, which was a swerve. Oh, okay. And then uh, Sting was in before he got taken out. And we're still waiting for him we to come back. Sting. I know nothing about Sting. Yeah, I guess you've seen him in one match, Maybe two match? One match, yeah. It was a Halloween Havoc, yeah, he got taken out, and that's it? Yeah, I think that's it. Because he wasn't at World War Three. Yeah, no, so we'll see him again eventually. But uh, the fans want to see him. <laughs> because he is like Mr. Fight the NWO. Mm. And then he joined the Wolfpack. I don't know how that works out, but... Anyway, back to this Conan promo. Yeah, he... Talks about the bonding they did when they were in the wolf pack, including when his baby boy died and being in lockdown. And it's like, wait, 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 I'm sorry, what? Hold on, back, back this train up. What? <laughs> you're you're sharing a lot of personal trauma right now. First of all, your your infant son died. I'm so sorry. I don't know. That's if, horrible. I don't know if it was infant or just you know young boy. Fair, but still, Jesus. Yeah. And apparently, like, Kevin Nash comforted him. And then the lockdown was kind of vague. But being, you know, 2021, we're like, lockdown, quarantine, COVID. Also, I feel like the Wolfpack wasn't around for all that long. You would know more than I would. Yeah, like, looking here, it was only around since, like, April. Oh, of, like, the last year? Of 98. So, not even a full calendar year. And it's like, one, that's a bad year for you. Two, maybe he's just talking about past stuff and that's stuff that happened in the past year. Like, I don't know, but... Like being in lockdown, I'm like, were you uh, you in jail in the past? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. A couple weeks. Regardless, doesn't really play into much other than he feels betrayed. Mm-hmm. He also calls the NWO strawberries. He loves talking about food in his promos. He yeah. has a fixation on food. Because he does, he doubles down on the toss my salad and peel my potato. I still don't know what that means, but he's... That is what he is sticking with. Yeah. The main point of this promo is that Conan is now a face and will be, you know, fighting against the NWO. Right. 
That's he, he got kicked out, and then he had his match. This really should happen before uh, his Luger match, but yeah. what are you going to do? But he is now a full-fledged face. Cool. I'll take it. So it looks like he'll be feuding with Nash and Luger. I will see how he fares, considering. Yeah. We then get the Nitro Girls, which, oh. if we're talking about it on one of these, there's a reason. Because... Oh. I really hate They're this. dancing, and I just wrote, oh no, it's Scott Steiner. Yeah. Papa Pump is looking for romancing. Yeah, he tries to intimidate them, and then Kimberly is like, you need to cut this shit out. And Steiner mocks her, so the Venture Girls just go to the back. This is not leading up to a good storyline. It's all bad. I hate all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, we'll go through the rest of it. For this episode a little bit now, because later he enters the Nitro Girls dressing room. Which, again, that's like textbook sexual harassment. Yes, with the line, she needs my body. She wants my body. Harassment. Yeah. And I told Emily that I'm picturing the phone call that uh, John Favreau does in Swingers, but Scott Steiner doing it and the comedy that would ensue from that. (laughs) So security escorts him out of the Nitro's dressing room, and later he seems to corner Kimberly in the bathroom. I couldn't really see. Yeah, it was what like it was, was a single stall bathroom. It was a single a single woman's bathroom. He's standing in the doorway, blocking her exit from the bathroom. She's essentially trapped, and it it's not cool. No, yeah, and he just he wants her to cheat. That's that's what he wants. Yeah, he wants to sleep with her because. She deserves a real man, I think that's what he said. Something like that. DDP's not a real man. I beat your man. Yeah, that's the main main crux of this is yeah. Steiner wants to bang Kimberly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've passed it for this episode. Good. For this episode. There is a harrowing thumbnail in the second episode, but we'll get to that one. <laughs> we then get Nash, Luger, and Liz coming out for a promo. Nash mocks Conan to start the promo. Always good to take your uh, competition seriously. Really puts over the program. Right. Nash claims that if it wasn't for him, Conan would still be jerking the curtain, which I'm like... That's a great way to say it. Yeah, I just... I don't need the whole fucking smarky shit, which is basically what the NWOs, especially Nash's promos are. Oh, good. So you're finally starting to join my side of fuck the NWO. They're the worst thing to happen to wrestling. I mean, I've, I've, I have openly showed my disdain for this. I don't know. You've always kind of, like, looked at me, like, just wait, when I'm like, oh, I fucking hate the NWO. You're like, I don't know. Well, to I be fair, my, my, my just wait is usually it'll get worse. Oh, well, <laughs> I feel like we're on the same level now, But, at least. yeah, I, I don't need the, oh, you were a jobber before you are in the NWO. You want to go back to being that? It's like, no one fucking cares. Yeah. Nash just generally mocks Conan to the point where I, like, assumed they weren't going to feud. Yeah, he's like, you can talk about salads and potatoes. Something like that. I mean, that was that was funny. <laughs> talk about your salads and potatoes. I can't remember what came after that. I was just really focused on peel my potatoes. They compliment Liz before Luger moves on to Ray. And Luger claims that he's going to take Ray's mask. Which is new, right? That hasn't been like... Yes, that is new. I also got a little suspicious because we skipped over talking about it earlier, but there's an interview with Rey Mysterio and Mean Gene's like, your mask still means everything to you, right? It's like, 
That's a random question, Gene. It's almost like that's going to come up in a story. Just out of curiosity, you still like your mask? You still want to keep wearing your mask? Would you be sad if someone took your mask? So Luger offers to not even have a match with Ray if Ray is just like, all right, here's the mask. I get it. Sure. Because when, why would the hell would he do that? Because he's, he's too scared to fight Luger. Okay. Nash and Liz aren't even remotely paying attention to this promo. <laughs> they just start like whispering in each they're other's like, ears. <laughs> they're like whispering to each other. Yeah. I was a little happy at the end of this promo because Nash tries his wolf pack in the, and the Thank crowd going you. house was real small. Thank However, you. like the next week or two, it's back up to normal volume. So I'm like, To love the fucking NWO. And I don't get it. Well, since you mentioned it, we might as well skip to the Lex Luger versus Rey Mysterio match. Yeah. Since it's Rey Mysterio, it's time for... Who's that Pokemon? So Rey is wearing a velvet brown mask. It just, it's gotta be so sweaty. With gold and black. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't get over the velvet brown. So I'm pretty confident in my pick for this. Okay, I have noted that you are likely going to hate my pick for this. Why? Why do you do this? I'm going to go with my pick, then. Because on Ray's velvet brown mask, there are also two little, like, red dots in the black. Yes, and there's one on the mask as well. It's very small, though. So, I said, Ray Mysterio is Kabuto. Okay, that's... That's a good answer. Thank I will you. give you that. I was pretty proud of that when I, I was, found it. I was thinking that a bit. I mean, unfortunately, there are no velvet Pokemon. Well, no. <laughs> They're two-dimensional animated animal things. The one I picked took the internet by storm a while ago. Oh, no. It is a Lolan Doug Trio. What? With the blonde hair? Yeah, that's the little gold accent on the mask. That's a bad answer. That's a bad take. Fuck you. That's not... No. Brown has the black and a little bit of the red, too. It's pink. It's, nose, pink. it's close no. enough. I would I would have taken it if you had just said Doug Trio or Doug Duo. I, there's no yellow there. I would have taken it. Eh, it's... Maybe I could say, like, the eyes or something. But with the hair... The hair is the gold. I think it would have to be more gold for me to be like, yes, the hair. See, part of my justification is that there's a lot more gold on the pants because, like, all the accents on there are gold, so. Yes. And then he has the, like, kind of black, um, like, kick pads, and that's that's the ground that Dugtrio runs around in. No, I get where you got <laughs> Dugtrio. I just, I don't like the hair choice. <laughs> You don't like it on the Pokemon or in my selection? All of the above. Well, I can't. See, now, now you're showing your bias. <laughs> well, okay. I don't like your choice for him either. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. I won that one. Anyway. Oh, important note. Ray is still wearing his LWO shirt. Yeah. I can't figure out where he stands at the LWO. Yeah, because Luger says, you know, give me the shirt and the mask. And, you know... We'll call this off. Ray refuses, so Lex cheap shots him. There's some pretty good power versus quickness action in this. Like, I was, even though I know I gave them best bit for sold out, I was impressed I liked the Lex, Lex Luger match so much. Yeah. 
No, this was like very good, high energy, fast paced. I like the more fast paced matches. Like that's why I liked Jericho and Booker T. This like at the beginning of this because it was a faster pace. They weren't just like both pick a corner and just stand and huff and puff in it for a while. I hate that. I think it's boring as hell. But like it's it just keeps moving. Something's always happening. Yeah, some good action, and then Nash comes out. Always, he's always just there. Lex works Ray over with power moves, and he tries to remove the mask a couple times, but Ray starts his comeback, but then Lex regains control. Lex tries for the mask again, but Ray fights him off. Nash then just comes into the ring at one point, and Sidewalk slams Ray to big booze. Boo. Ray wins by DQ, but they are now going to beat him down. The main story of this match was that... You know, Luger was willing to dish it out, but Ray was willing to take it and always kind of came fighting back yeah. and would always get always get a little more fired up when Luger went for the mask. Yeah, basically he's not going to give up the shirt and the mask. That's not going to happen. Ray tries to fight them off, but Nash hits a jackknife powerbomb and Luger puts him in the torture rack. I just really wish I understood why he's still pushing LWO. They like really loosely tried to explain it and it was... It was such a poor explanation that I didn't really feel the need to take note of it. It was like, I'm like proud of my brown heritage or something. These are my colors. Okay, yes. Yeah, you're Mexican. That's great. I'm glad you're proud to be Mexican. But your whole storyline as a wrestler has been like, these guys are not my guys. Yes. That's what it is. That's not that it undercuts the past three months. Yeah. Like, yes, be proud to be Mexican. But you, you hate the LWO and what they do and what they stand for. You've been fighting them. Pick one. So once Ray is down, they go for the mask again, but Conan comes down to make the save. Mm. Comes down with a chair and then, like, tosses it out of the ring at them. So I'm like, oh, so you've just now gotten rid of your weapon. Yeah. But that didn't make any sense. They ignore it, so it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I enjoyed this match for the, the DQ, but I also kind of understand that you didn't want to have either of these guys actually lose. And it kind of puts Ray over that... Nash felt the need to actually like run in and fair that's true that, that, that like Lex can't handle this on his own I definitely liked this match like it was a good match before Kevin Nash came down the the ramp before he decided that he was going to interfere I really enjoyed this match yeah I can't say I've not enjoyed a Rey Mysterio match for Rey's oh no you know I love Rey Mysterio if the only time I have enjoyed it has been Psychosis' involvement none of him on this one that's okay well we get a mention of him in the uh, <laughs> second the episode. episode. But we are now on to the main event of the first episode here. It is the triangle match of Scott Hall, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Goldberg. This episode is kind of flying by. It really did, yeah. I mean, we skipped a, a lot, but mm, we, we skipped a few. We did and we didn't. We skipped a lot of, you know, smaller stuff. Hall comes out with Disco Inferno and Emily's favorite character on the show. The fucking stun stick. Goldberg comes out second, which I thought was weird. Yeah. I assumed he was going to get blindsided, but instead he clears the ring of Disco and Hall and Bigelow blindsides Hall and Disco. I'm like, oh, that was not what I thought would happen. Bigelow and Goldberg both work over Hall for a little while because they're like, yeah, we both got issues with him. Let's just beat the crap out of him. (laughs) I'll take it. Until Hall falls out of the ring, and then they both fight each other. Yeah. And then it just becomes big boys. Yeah, Hall and Bigelow then work over Goldberg until Goldberg hits a, like, stacking double spear. Yeah, like, I, didn't they're really in a line. To, I didn't know how to describe this. 
it's basically you know when you hold a guy up to like oh hit him it's like and people do that for a spear but you know the person always move always moves he didn't move and it's like oh if you you know if the guy didn't move you would tackle both of them that's what happened here yeah yeah. So I called it a double spear, but I'm like, I guess it's not really a double spear because he does that. Yeah, I think I'm. I think when that, if that happens going forward, we will call that a stacking double spear. Okay. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I like that. Or a domino double spear. <laughs> Goldberg hits a jackhammer on Hall, but Brian Adams suddenly comes down and breaks up the pin. The NWO then run in and work over Goldberg. The Horsemen then run in and a wild brawl ensues. I think the bell might have rang at one of these points to throw it out, but I don't even remember. I really don't know when the when the bell rang. Like, when was it deemed a DQ? So it's a wild brawl of the Horsemen, Goldberg, and the NWO. During this, Flair is trying to get to Hulk Hogan, but Hall tries to stop him. And commentary kind of notes, like, oh, he took a bullet for him there. Mm. Until Flair then chases the limo, like, out of the arena <laughs> on foot. There is something that happens in this match that is becoming my new favorite thing to look for. So I think it was in the sold out episode where I deemed the Arn Anderson with a tire iron, the tire iron. So now anytime Arn Anderson has a tire iron, which is more often than you realize, it's the tire iron. And he comes out with the tire iron. So now it's like time on tire iron watch. Thoughts on the match and kind of brawl angle? Because like, I thought it was a pretty good brawl. They will top it next week. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, th- I I guess you don't want to have Hall lose. But just the sudden Brian Adams. I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't a fan of it. Like of the match and the brawl overall. I was just like, I've seen this before. This is boring. I don't yeah, I, I didn't. I thought the match itself was yeah. fine before. Like if Goldberg got the pin there, I'm like, that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, if the match had an ending. Yeah. I know. Wild idea. This is another one where Bigelow just kind of vanishes. Yeah. He just disappears. He's a large man. He just disappears a lot of the time. But overall, pretty good episode of Nitro. Honestly, yeah. I enjoyed this episode. Like, we watched a lot of it, but it wasn't painful to watch. So in case you were curious, this episode got a 4.4 rating, which is down from the previous two weeks. Damn. The next episode of Nitro, which is the January 25th, 1999 episode is the last time WCW will ever get a five while being opposed. Really? In two weeks, they will get a 5.7, but Raw will not be directly head-to-head. There were some good parts of the January 25th episode, so I'll give it that. Yeah, both of them had some good bits, although I think... Yeah, I don't know which one I like better. I'll have to think about that when we kind of get to the end of this Yeah, as we're talking about the next one, I'll think about it. Because the... January 25th, 99 Nitro starts with a clip from Thunder. And it's Vincent discovering a camera in the NWOB team's locker room. Yeah, so at this point we are going to start referring to them as the NWOB team and the NWO Elite. Yes, they they have referenced the B team thing. They have not said Elite, but they're noting it on the network and Wikipedia and I don't know if when they will or what. It makes sense. The B team is people like Vincent and Stevie Ray and... Um, Scott Norton, those guys that aren't really getting TV time every week. Yeah. Vincent discovers the camera and then it goes to a, I guess, television camera showing 
the NWO elite watching them, which, why was that camera there? In a limo, too. Did you notice that? Was it a limo? They're sitting in the limo. I couldn't tell if it was a limo or just a crowded kind of back room I'm pretty sure they were sitting in the NWO limo watching this, like, closed circuit TV, which is weird in itself. Oh, also, can we talk about how Vincent noticed this because he stayed behind in the locker room to drink a glass of what i can only assume is warm eggs out of a glass yeah because he just like pulls it out of his locker and he, i don't think he even gets like one down takes a sip and he's like oh jesus gross it then cuts to earlier tonight on nitro and the b team are just kind of generally unsettled hennig actually notes that he's like listen i've not been wearing my shirt for a while for a reason and it's, it's him and Stevie Ray having a side conversation about two feet yeah. from the rest of the group. Yeah, like two, three feet away. Anybody else in that group can hear what they're saying, even if they're whispering. They also give Stevie Ray shit for wearing a $500 shirt. Which, like, that shirt's not that cute. You're going to spend $500 on that shirt. The general thing they're going for here is dissension. Yeah. The B team are not happy. I understood the storyline. I'm just... Even when, like, when we were watching WWF and The Rock is like, my $700 shirt. Like, it's ugly. Why'd you spend $700 on an ugly shirt? We then go to the merch stand where Eric Bischoff, in a wig and hat, (laughs) is being required to work it. And we took note of what was actually being sold, see if there's anything interesting. Not really. The only thing interesting was that Jericho had a shirt because everybody else had a shirt was, like, top tier. I mean, I think Jericho is top tier. They don't. That's the issue. (laughs) And they are also selling foam fingers. Yes, which is important to note. And they're they're selling sting masks too, which I think they made a joke about in that. Um, yeah. He's like, where's Sting? Yeah. Where's Sting? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know when he comes back either. You didn't look it up? I don't want to spoil it for myself. Fair. We then go to a clip, which I guess was earlier today. I don't know. The timeline on some of this was messy. It's the NWO black and white at the airport. And by the airport, I mean, like, a hangar. Yeah, not an airport. It, like, yeah, a hangar. They just have, like, their cars pulled up to the airline hangars. Yeah, their cars, which are, like, a bunch of, like, Ford Tauruses, which... Is that meant to be a shit car in 99? I don't know. But, yeah, the NWO black and red, except for the fact that Hogan's wearing a black and white shirt, arrive in a private jet. The world's tiniest and tightest private jet. Like, these men are closer seated to each other than you would be in, like, a coach bus. The Lex Express. Sure. <laughs> so the Elite are going in the limo. Everyone else is taking cars. Stevie Ray immediately goes up to them and throws everybody else under the bus. We get a lot of that in this build of just, like, throwing people under the bus. Yeah. This segment also seems to be happening because they're kicking out Kurt Hedick, who I think he thinks that they're going to be kicking out Vincent and then all of a sudden they turn on him. Yeah. So Kurt Hennig is now out of the NWL and they just like leave him in the fucking parking lot. Parking lot's generous, but. So I didn't totally follow why they were kicking out Kurt. I don't know. No. Just trimming the fat. Okay. So there wasn't a real reason. I think Hogan wants them to run him over on the way out. It's like, oh, Jesus. And Ray notes that he's tired of this B-team crap. Huh. And he uses the phrase B-team crap, so. Okay, so they are the B-team. Then They definitely are the B-team. <laughs> Although I might put them lower than that. So we're losing more and more NWO members. Which is fine by me. I wish you'd be quicker. We don't need to lose 
one every three weeks. Just That's trim fair. it now and fucking be done with it. We then get to the arena, and it's still the NWO arriving. They go into the locker room, and I have no idea what the hell is going on. They want Stevie Ray to put on a black and white shirt, and then it just cuts to Bam Bam Bigelow coming out holding a ladder. Oh, yeah. I think the whole dissension in the locker room was like, Kurt didn't wear an NWO shirt, now he's out. You should wear an NWO shirt. And he's like, ah, you know, I got my $500 shirt. I can't, can't wear that. I... Or he said something like, oh, I lost mine. And they're like, oh, we got one for you here. We got an extra Oh, yeah. One. He said he lost his. And I'm like, it's like one of the best selling shirts you guys yeah. have. You <laughs> can't go grab another one. But it, yeah. Bigelow comes out and they're obviously, because it's the NWO, mocking him on the way out of the ring. Of but it's a promo time for Bam Bam Bigelow. He says his goal when he got here was to take out Goldberg, but right now his issue is with Scott Hall. My issue is with Scott Hall, too. He claims that Hall is the master of the ladder match, but he's hardcore. I've been extreme. I've been hardcore. Which I'm pretty sure is just them saying, yes, he was an ECW before this. (laughs) Did you forget? They forget at various points. Yeah, they talk about things like not getting payoff. We never actually got full, like... He signed a contract. It's just like, oh, now he's part of us. Yeah, he challenges Hall to a ladder match. And it cuts back to the NWO locker room and they don't take him seriously at all. So, you know, high stakes stuff. Yeah, really. We go back to the merch stand and Eric Bischoff tries to steal money away from customers. Yeah, he's just like, like some girl paid $5 for a foam finger, gave him a $20 bill. He gave her $5 back. No, it was a Goldberg like like pennant. It was like a uh, little flag uh, thing. Okay. Still, like, what are you doing, Bischoff? Like, time's really that tough, bud? Short version of this, Eric Bischoff is a scumbag. Well, yeah. We then get a Mean Gene interview with Ric Flair, and it's now back to being 13-time world champion. Right. This is where it starts to go back and forth. We also get our second... Flair tells Hogan that to be the man, you got to beat the man. Apparently on Thunder, they could have killed Horace, but they didn't. Your cousin nephew Blood Horace? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he he fucked up at first. Your cousin nephew, your blood. (laughs) They just like skirt right over that too. I love it. Yeah, I wonder if Flair was like, oh shit, which one is it? Your blood. (laughs) Which one were we pushing? I don't remember. I don't know my own storylines. He somehow resisted the urge to uh, say, your, your dead brother's son. <laughs> yeah, he actually called him his nephew, not his dead brother's son. Well, it's because Horace isn't a face anymore. Oh, right. It's not as heartbreaking. <laughs> Flair then pivots to Bret Hart, and he tells him that he's going to defend his title at Super Brawl. He also says that tonight it will be Bret Hart versus Booker T, which gets no pop and it made me sad. No. And I think why they thought that would be a big announcement is because they're in Dallas here and Booker T's from Houston. Oh. Well, he's actually from Houston. I guess they were billing him as being from Harlem. So maybe that's why. That sucks. He could have gotten like an actual hometown pop. And hometown still relative. Home state. Home state pop. He also says that the tag title tournament will resume. Even though that got canceled on Thunder? So the NWO has been interfering in that, trying to cancel it. And so to counteract that, Flair is making this a lumberjack match, but it's kind of 
a reverse lumberjack match of they're trying to keep people out as opposed to keeping the wrestlers in that goes off you know without a hitch later so that is not one that we watched but no we've actually not watched any of the tag title tournament the final will be at super bowl we will have new tag champions then and we'll you know worry about that then yeah it's not a now problem he also books a six-man tag team match tonight. It'll be Hogan and whatever two NWO members he wants versus Ric Flair, Chris Benoit, and Mongo. I think that's why I forgot that Mongo had a match tonight because he's barely in this. Oh, yeah. I think he's in it for match. about 30 <laughs> seconds. That's generous. He's there to fill out numbers because Dean Malenko still hurt. Oh, Dean. And Arn doesn't wrestle anymore. Unless he got his tire, Arn. So we have our main event tonight. And a semi-main event and a match we're going to skip. <laughs> we thought this Nitro didn't have a lot of matches. The next one has even less. Yeah. But we get Scott Hall coming out to answer the Bam Bam Bigelow challenge. He also comes out with Disco Inferno and a ladder. Oh, and the stun stick. Of course the stun stick. But, stun stick might as well be indoctrinated into the NWO at this point. But yeah, he comes out with a ladder. It's like, I'm pretty sure you just answered the challenge. Yeah, I think that's enough. Right there. Commentary refers to Disco as being the ladder boy. Ugh. Hall starts his promo with his patented. Hey, yo. And he now, like, he doesn't have the bandana tie up anymore. I know this is a um, Razor Ramon thing because we most recently watched a Razor Ramon match. But he's got, like, that one strand of hair on his forehead. And it just, it's greasy and gross. And the whole time I was just like, push that shit out of your Yeah, face. it looks more intentional here. This it looks like disgusting. you're, like, really organizing your hair to get that. Oh, yeah, he gelled that to be there. Yeah. It's like Danny Zuko in fucking Grease. He curled that shit and made it lay right where it is. I hate it. I just want to be like, get it out of your face. Hall claims in the NWO they give people exactly what they want. So he agrees to the match. Which, again... You brought out a ladder, and also when you walked in the ring, they, like, dropped the hook down for you to put the fucking stun right, stick on. Yes. It was like, I think, I this think, yeah. <laughs> he also says that the match won't be against Disco. It'll be against him. And I'm like. Was it ever going to be against no, Disco? No, that was, the, the challenge was Hall versus Bigelow. Choke on your toothpick, Scott Hall. Jesus. I showed Emily Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10, and you seemed mad that it had scott hall at first then you actually ended up enjoying the match i was more mad because kevin nash came out with Shawn michaels i was like you're trying to show me a kevin nash match and i was like no I was like, no i would never i'm trying to do a Shawn michaels match and then fucking scott hall comes out I'm like motherfucker. it was even better because you didn't know the theme and he's like silhouetted to start and then they walked out of the light and it was like you fucker <laughs> so we have our match and it's happening now Bam Bam Bigelow versus Scott Hall. It's the same rules as the sold-out ladder match. First one to zap your opponent wins. Hall hits a diving bulldog and asks Disco to grab the ladder. Disco grabs Bam Bam Bigelow's leg, and the ref just throws him out of the ladder match. Which I kind of gave shit before, but then we watched the, the WrestleMania 10 match, and they do a very similar spot, thing yeah. with... Diesel and I'm like okay I guess you can kick people out of a ladder match sure it's weird if you if you're there to start you can be kicked out but if you run down towards the end of the match you're fine right commentary talks a lot about one the general state of the ladder oh my god and two 
whether or not they have a replacement. Oh, yeah, they have a back and forth where I don't even know who's speaking, but something happens to the ladder, and one of the commentaries is like, oh, that might ruin the ladder. And someone else is like, ah, they're only a hundred bucks. Not like we have a supply of them on hand. Like, okay, well, do you, are you joking? Are you, are you serious? Because could go either way. But yeah, they say that ladder's broken about 30 times in this match. Hall hits Bigelow with the ladder a few times until Bigelow gets the ladder and just fucks it at Hall on the <laughs> ground. We get a, uh, the way I can describe it is a Joey Mercury spot. Was that tipping the ladder over? No, it is a like, it's like a seesaw kind of move where you tip oh. one side of the ladder and the other end hits your opponent in the face. Yes. Yeah, Hall kind of drops down to the floor and, and like, sla- I guess, kind of hits it on the way down and it catches Bigelow in the face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sloppy because it seemed like... Bigelow threw Hall into it and then ended up catching himself in the face. Yeah, there were a couple of sloppy ladder moves in this. I also just don't trust WCW with ladder matches at this point. Yeah, we should note that this is a... It's a weird distinction. This is a ladder match, not a ladders match. Because there is one ladder for this match. Right. Same as the night before. Right. Back from commercial, Hall scoop slams Bam Bam and then... You might need to help me out in describing this. He gets in the second rope and has the ladder, like, in front of him and kind of does, like, a roll. Oh, yeah. From the second rope, he kind of jumps with the ladder and, like, puts his weight on it in, like, a splash kind of thing. Yeah, so he's kind of trying to, like, jump at Bam Bam Bigelow and using the ladder as his body, basically. Yeah, it's like the ladder was vertical and he, like, fell forward kind of thing. Right. And then he, like, fell on it. Like, his weight impact, like, yeah. made the ladder hit harder, basically. Yeah. We got there. Yeah. Sloppily, we got there. Hall climbs the ladder, but Bigelow grabs it way too low to tip it. <laughs> he he tips it, but it did uh, not look uh I don't trust these people with fun. ladder matches. We then get a diving headbutt from Bigelow halfway up the ladder. Hall manages to get up first and leg drops Bam Bam's crotch. Like... It was actually pretty brutal looking. Like, the leg drop kind of low blow. Like, it looked like it hit pretty hard. Hall starts to climb, but then hits a diving elbow from about halfway up. All of these moves were from about halfway up, it felt like. Which is about three or four feet, so second rope. Yeah. Maybe the top rope. Hall climbs again, but Bam Bam stops him with the back suplex from about halfway up. (laughs) Bam Bam then tries to climb, but Hall drop kicks the ladder. I think this is the match where I realized they there is a very obvious like pattern of events that happens anytime there's a ladder match, where the person who's trying to get up while someone's down takes one step, reaches their arm up, looks up, takes another step, reaches their arm up, looks up, takes another step, and then they get like counted off. Yeah. Every match, I'm noticing it now, and I can't unnotice it. Hall tries to climb again, but Bam Bam gets under the ladder and kind of like picks it up and tips it from there. Bam Bam then climbs up again and he grabs the stun gun, but Hall low blows him and Bam Bam falls off the ladder, but he still has the stun gun. So all Bam Bam has to do is just stun Scott Hall and it's done. Bam Bam then gets up pretty quickly with the stun gun, but Disco runs down and hands Hall another one. Yeah, I didn't realize there were multiples of this fucking thing. You know, I don't know what would have happened if Hall had zapped him, considering that wasn't the one that they had hanging. I'm wondering if that would have been a DQ. I don't know about a DQ, but 
I guess he, I think he would have had to have used the, you know, the the, the one. First one, yeah. yeah, the one that he used the stipulation for the match. I don't know. If you're in a you know if you're in a ladder match with like a title belt, I can't just hand you a replica belt and then True. it's like I win. I win. While they're having their standoff, we won't get to learn what happens if you zapped him because Goldberg then runs in. Yeah, now Goldberg's here. On his way, he spears the life out of Disco Inferno. <laughs> Good. He then double spears Hall and Bam Bam Bigelow, this time with, like, you know, the two-arm yeah. kind of thing as opposed to the stacking. This is when the bell rings. Yes, the ref just throws it out. It's so like, it's like a no contest now. Yeah, it's like, we okay, we're not getting a finish here. Okay. This, is, this is about to go to all hell. <laughs> Scott Norton then comes down and, like, clubs him on the back twice, which incapacitates Goldberg, which yeah. kind of annoyed me. Why are they making Goldberg look weak now? This is enough for Hall to roll out of the ring and give Goldberg a quick zap, who sells it for a second and then immediately gets up. Yeah. And I'm like, remember at Starcade when that, like, took him out? Yeah. No, he just built up a tolerance. He's been backstage zapping himself so he can, you know, not feel anything. It's like, you know, when you have to poison somebody, you just build up a tolerance to poison. I've seen the Princess Bride, yes. <laughs> Goldberg then gets up pretty quick and he goes to the back. And once again, Bigelow seems to have vanished. The man doesn't have an entrance. The man doesn't have an exit. No. I thought it was a pretty good match. It got a little repetitive with all the climbing. Um, I didn't mind the non-finish again. No, in this one, it didn't bother me as much. But I just, I don't like, it didn't, I don't like the match. It didn't bother much. me because it felt like story progression as opposed yeah. to just NWO comes down and beats people up. Right. They're somehow both overusing and nerfing the stun gun. But it doesn't look like we're done with that anytime soon. Hopefully we can bring the wood chipper back. Next up, we go backstage for a Mean Gene interview with Bret Hart. You were and so excited about this. I am, and I'm just going to play the whole thing here because <laughs> I love it. You know, I don't know what Ric Flair's problem is, you know. You know, I've always been a jam-up guy. I've always been, I've always been a guy that's never ducked anything, anybody, anytime, anywhere. Now, Ric Flair... You know, this is is a case of a guy that's carrying around a grudge. He's had a grudge against me since I've come here. And, uh, you know, that's fine. He wants to throw me in a ring tonight with Booker T. Who is Booker T? Who is this guy to even have a match with me, let alone a non-title match? Because he's a loser. He's not going to get a title shot. You can forget about that. Well, he is not a loser. You know that, He's a loser. Now, Booker T, I want to ask you a question. Have you got the guts to step in the ring with the excellence of execution tonight? Do you know that your life is on the line? Your career is on the line? All the little kids at home, they're going to watch me tear you up and break you in little pieces. Is that what you want? I'm sure that's what Ric Flair wants. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Booker T. This man has held numerous titles in world championship wrestling. And there's a guy that we would be deserving of a chance at your United States title. Let me tell you, me tell you about who deserves a shot at the United States heavyweight Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, El Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. I don't see any reason. Wait a minute. El Dandy has been wrestling in in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but my goodness sakes, it's 50 pounds Who difference. are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about contenders. How about hypnosis? Let's get through Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler. You know, you can say what you want. You can try to tear these guys down and take them down. Psychosis has also he's been a high worked. flyer of the highest yes, magnitude. But he's this still guy's a Stella serious Cruiserweight. 
Let's let's get okay, let's get some. How about Dean Malenko? I was going to give him a title shot. He was the big man. Oh. Wanted to injure me. Hey, come injure me now, you little punk. He's sitting at home with some kind of hokey injury. This is a real injury, Dean Malenko. Dean this Malenko. is like groin pull the likes you've never seen in your whole life. Well, he right now is nursing a very bad sprained ankle. Yeah. And as Ooh. far as that groin pull, you know people that compete in football and basketball. A lot of champions have to play hurt. Oh, yeah. You, so you're, what are you saying? I won't play hurt? I'll play hurt. I'm going to play hurt tonight. And I'm going to take this uh, Booker T and show exactly what I've said a minute ago. He doesn't deserve a title shot. And Ric Flair, you go ahead and bring up your grudge. You got some kind of a grudge on me. You can, you can try to force me into situations. You're going to put me in a, in a title match with whomever you want, whenever you want. That's fine, Ric Flair. That's fine, because you know why you're jealous of me? It's because I beat you. I beat you the day I came in, and I beat you every time I ever stepped in the ring with you, and you just got a grudge against me. That's all. Make no mistake about it. On February right? the 21st right? in Oakland, yeah, I'm right. you're going to be facing somebody, and that U.S. title will be on the line, Mr. Hart. Emily, question for you. Hmm. Who are you to doubt Al Dandy? <laughs> he was saying that to me all last night. Out of nowhere. Let's go through some of the highlights here. Okay. He claims that he's always been a jam-up guy. <laughs> Who are you to doubt El Dandy? Of course. What about uh, hypnosis? So you mean psychosis? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. He insults uh, D. Malenko's injury and claims that he's a groin pole the like likes you've, you've never, never seen. seen. <laughs> oh, I, I loved this promo. And once again, Bret Hart is, like, feuding with, like, six people. And I'm like, you know what? Good. Take it. Yeah, Hart and Goldberg are both kind of successfully feuding multiple people versus Scott Hall. At one point, they call him, like, oh, you're just, like, you know, one half of the team of Hall and mm. Nash. And I'm like, isn't Nash teaming with Luger right now? Yeah. So he's being pretty effective in it. And... They gloss over it here, but they never really settled his issue with uh, DDP. So we'll see if they can go back to that. Yeah, we'll see. But and yeah, this was a very good promo. And you kept being like, oh, he's totally corpsing. I'm like, if this is Bret Hart corpsing. I'm saying that it's, it's, it's as close as Bret Hart gets to corpsing. He's incredible at cutting promos. If this is as close as he gets to corpsing. I guess something we should note is it was always a weird affiliation with Bret Hart and the NWO. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be anything now. True. That is true. During the promo, he mentions he's facing Booker T, so let's go to that match. Yes. I really like this match. Tony and Mike on commentary give Brett shit for his groin pull, and they're like, oh, come on, people uh, have to play hurt all the time. I understand it can be severe, but when your point of reference is, oh, D. Malenko's sprained ankle. It's like, a groin pull sounds more, way more severe than a sprained ankle. Yeah, but groins are funny. LOL penis, LOL. Hart stalls a lot in the early stages, and I kept expecting him to go to the outside and jaw with one particular member of the crowd, <laughs> because we actually noticed this during the Ric Flair interview. Chuck Norris is in the crowd. Not Tim Allen. No, not Tim Allen. Because during the Flair interview, Gene actually like walks Rick over like two steps just to not have Chuck Norris blatantly in the background of the yeah. shot drawing your attention away. But yeah, no one does anything with them. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, and then later in this episode, we find out that Jean-Claude Van Damme is also in the audience. Yeah. Nothing from either either of them. They're just there to watch the show. Yeah, I can't say you would have seen a ton of his stuff. Although, 
he was once in a movie with a uh, WCW superstar. <laughs> what movie was he in with David Arquette? Not David Arquette. Oh. He okay. was in a movie called Double Team, co-starring Dennis Rodman. <laughs> anyway, back to the match we actually enjoyed. There is a test of strength spot early on that turns immediately sexual looking. Yes. Just... Anytime they, like, grab hands and they try to power each other down, one goes on their knees. And if it's the one whose back is not to the camera... Actually, well, both, actually. It just looks like you're sucking them off. A little bit. Brett works over Booker for a lot of this and looks pretty vicious doing it, too. Yeah. Booker is very grunty because you're like, who is making all that noise? I'm like, it's Booker. Oh, my God. Yeah. And can we talk about his pants? Yeah, I don't have the issue you do. So Booker T has a... He has like, he has flame pants. Yeah, but they're not really good looking flames, so it just kind of looks like a black and red blotch. And unfortunately, the flame that is like the tallest flame of the blotch is right on his butt crack. So it looks like he's just got like this big red spot coming out of his ass. Yeah, I, I would... It literally didn't even bother me in the slightest. <laughs> he's also got a matching one right on the front on his crotch, so... Yeah. Firecrotch. At what point Brett chokes Booker on the outside with a camera cable? DQ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this poor... Um, was this the one with the camera guy that was just like desperately yeah. trying to gather his cables? Yes, because it, yeah, it was it was very caught on Booker T afterwards. <laughs> I just felt bad for the guy. Like, you're just ruining all your cable wraps. We get a very soft spin kick from Booker T to where both of us kind of went, ooh... Yeah, like everything in this match looked so good, and then there was just that very soft kick. And like, Brett then starts to work over the leg and locks in the figure four, which I don't know if it was meant to be like a shot at Flair because, you know, they have their issues. I know he's kind of been using it on his own too, so mm-hmm. could work either way. Booker tries to kind of reverse the pressure by getting onto his stomach and manages to do so right as they get to commercial. Yeah. Back from commercial... Brett just immediately puts the figure four right back on Booker T. It's like we went backwards like 20 seconds and just redid everything. Yeah, except Booker gets out way faster this time. So I was kind of confused. I'm like, what did you have planned? Or like, what happened there? Right. You I, thought that it was just leading right to the finish and that was going to be it. But it went for a couple more minutes after that. Yeah, I... I don't know. Maybe, it was really strange. Maybe they weren't told they had a commercial break and like, we have this, you know, match planned out, so shit. I don't really have an answer for you there. It it just seemed odd that they were the commercial, because it was like right as he turned it over, and then they got back, and yeah. it's like, no, we're right back in the figure four. Turn it over, and then we can go from here. Yeah, weird. Booker starts his comeback. It's a scissor kick. It's suplex into a spinneroonie. Harlem sidekick. Sidewalk slam. He then goes for the Harlem hangover, but Brett rolls out of the way. Brett grabs the U.S. title from the outside and goes for a flying nothing from the the second rope. Booker manages to counter by actually getting his boot up and hitting the belt into Brett's face. Booker hits another Harlem sidekick and they go to the outside. Booker then chokes Brett with a camera cable. They then go back in the ring and Booker brings the cable in the ring and goes for the choke again. But as the ref is trying to get the cable out of the ring, Brett hits him with the belt, mm-hmm. knocks him out, and gets the gets win. The this is a really fun match. I really liked it. It was, but I don't think there's even a shot of Brett celebrating the cutaway so fucking fast. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought this was a very good match. Once again, if I told you it was Booker T and Bret Hart, you'd be like, yeah, this should be good. good And it was. Did you prefer this one or the Jericho one? Honestly, I don't really know the answer to that. Because I really liked both of these matches. I want to say this one, the Bret Hart match. But I don't know. I liked them both. I think I'd agree with you. I I wouldn't judge you if you said Jericho. Uh, I think it just means I like Booker T. Yeah. I mean, he sticks (laughs) around for a while, so... I'm glad you like him. Uh, oh, I also missed my uh, bad call of the night, even though this is a multiple part build, so I guess it's up the episode. Yeah, the whole, the best bits, the bad call of the night, MVP, it's kind of up in the air, so we'll just do like per episode. Yeah. It's Bret Hart was supposed to be sneakily low-blowing Booker T, and instead doing it in blatant view of the ref, because oh, it, it's like a back kick low-blow kind of thing, where the ref's supposed to be like in Brett's face, but instead he's plenty of space between them and he's almost like looking oh. at Booker T. It's like, oh, yep, that's kicked the dick. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> Especially because it was clearly supposed to be sneaky in the ref, which is out of position for it. Oh. So after they cut away from Brett before he can celebrate, this is where we see Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Which, yeah, you have Chuck Norris and Jean-Claude Van Damme in the same building and you don't do anything fun with them. My guess is they didn't want to do anything. No, they probably just wanted to watch the show. Yeah. Although, credit to Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is not literally middle of the hard camera. True. He's yeah. Like Chuck, Norris is, yeah. Chuck Norris is in the front row, dead center on the yeah. hard camera. Like, I, I didn't even see Jean-Claude Van Damme. And even when they showed him, I'm like, I don't know where the fuck he is. Yeah. We then get a clip from Thunder of DDP warning Steiner to go nowhere near Kimberly. We then get that harrowing thumbnail of and it's just from like you know one of the the chapter things on the network and it's just a very <laughs> tight close-up of scott steiner watching the nitro girls it's really and creepy he, and he has the sunglasses so you can't see his eyes it's just generally unsettling as is he during this because even commentary is terrified of him because he just comes over to the commentary area and they're like just tell him whatever he wants to hear just like <laughs> get him the fuck out of here Piss him off. Don't piss off the roidy boy. I just don't find this man remotely attractive. He thinks he's like God's gift to women, and I just find him gross. He's veiny. He's large. Like, he doesn't look like he'd give good hugs, you know? He looks like he would hurt me. Or he'd be like, I don't give hugs. You do everything for me. Like, I'm not... You get in the kitchen, make me a sandwich, woman. Like, that kind of guy, you know? Did you know him and his brother now own a Shoney's? Really? I love Shonies. I was not the... No way! <laughs> did not expect this. I love Shonies. I have to find uh, videos from the opening and then like demolishing the old building. Oh. <laughs> when I was a kid, we would like drive to... When I lived down south, we would drive to Florida and we'd like stop at Shonies for breakfast. <laughs> you know, they say all Shonies are created equal. If you look at me and you look at the one across town, <laughs> you can see that statement is not true. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to uh, the main event. No, no. Two things that I wish were up north. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on No, this. go ahead. I wish we had Shonies up here, and I wish we had Zaxby's. You've heard my rant about Zaxby's. I, I disagree on the Zaxby's thing. love Zaxby's. I think Zaxby's is by far the best fast food. Eh. You're wrong. So the main event is Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Steiner versus Ric Flair, Chris Benoit, and Mongo McMichael. 
I did not realize his last name was McMichael. Yes. That makes him a little less scary. Also, his real name is Steve, if that even kills him more. <laughs> Fucking course, his name is Steve. Is it Steve McMichael? Yes. Why'd they go with Mongo? It's probably an old football nickname or something. Uh, I looked at him a bit. Also, yeah, his last appearance is uh, two weeks? The 8th. So, yes, two weeks yeah. from this point. I did not realize he was a member of the 85 Bears, which is considered the best NFL defense ever. Oh. They also... Have you heard the Super Bowl shuffle? I've heard the term. I don't know what it means. It's a song they recorded. Oh, then no. I know what our outro music is now going to be. Oh, no. Oh, you're going to make me listen to that later. Oh, no, wait. I I threw that for Mongo's last episode, so... Fair. On the way to the ring, Michael Buffer, who, yes, is here to do the announcements. Of course. Notes that Hogan is a presidential candidate. Yes. So he's still in the running, I guess? I guess. Nash grabs the mic and does his face promo bit. Because, of course, Steiner continues to imply that he's going to bang DDP's wife. (laughs) There is a trio of women who are holding a pro Scott Steiner sign. Something about basically they want to bang him or something. And Bobby Heaton just looks at them and goes, ah. My golden girls. Because <laughs> they were like late 30s, kind of 40s. They weren't old, No, they're not. They're not no, they weren't golden girls age. Don't but, say 30s is old, Mr. Turning 27 in a few days. Yeah, just Bobby Heaton out of nowhere just going, ah, golden girls. I was like, I need to pause for a minute. <laughs> Regather yourself. So Hogan draws some real uh, deep heat here. He says that Ric Flair fans stink real bad. <laughs> Ooh, that's great. Ooh smelly. Ooh. But, like, Hogan kind of goes like, on. He'll call people smelly. Come on. <laughs> In Hogan's promo, though, he just kind of goes on to, like, explain his sexual fantasies, basically. Like, yeah, he, a bit. he goes to beat up Ric Flair until he says, yes, Mr. Hogan, you're the man, Mr. Hogan. You're the master. Yeah, he also talks about, what? you know, when I beat your child, Ric Flair. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> So the horsemen then come out for the match, and they kind of storm the ring. And there is a large brawl to start to where we're like, is there even going to be a match? Because everyone's just brawling. There seems to be no rules. Eventually, the NWO clear the ring, and it's like, okay, we can now have the match. The match ends up starting with Benoit and Steiner. And around this point, commentary fucking buries Alex Wright. Oh, yeah, (laughs) out of nowhere. Apparently, Alex Wright no-showed this Nitro. Yeah, we have no explanation as to why. We haven't even or... seen him in a while no. either. And I'm wondering if this might be part of the reason why. Yeah, he's like, oh, you, he's like, oh, you tell people you're going to be on Thunder and then you don't show up. And it's like, you waited for the main event. You wanted the maximum amount of eyeballs slash ear holes to hear you bury Ugh, Alex Wright. The drama. Like, you bury Alex Wright in Van Hammer versus yeah. Scott Norton. Yeah, I want to know what happened there. I'm curious. I wonder if he ever comes back to WCW. He does. Does he? Oh. He will come back with a very different gimmick, too. Oh, not the German... I think he goes back to being that, too, at some point. Okay. But uh, he will He will have a gimmick. I like Alex Wright. I hope they don't screw him over. They screw him over, don't they? <laughs> I mean, define screw him over. Moppy. No, I don't... It's not that bad. Okay. That's my bar for screwing over. Fair. See, that's your bar, and then I remember when they gave Natalia a farting gimmick, so. Oh, no. And Wait, and paired her with the great Kali. Oh, God. 
It's like, ah, you've been here five years. Time to quit. We can't fire you because you have family. Can't let you be old. So in the match, Benoit double snot rockets Steiner after some mounted punches. Ew. He's doing that a lot lately. I hate it. It's disgusting. Nash tags in and works over Benoit, mostly in the corner. Yes. Mongo tags in, does like one or two moves, and then tells Benoit to go up to the top rope for the diving headbutt. To which I was about to get very mad, but then while he's still perched, Mongo like tags him, and I'm like, okay, oh, okay. which Counts probably shouldn't be allowed, but what you know, it he didn't. It's WCW rules. Yeah, he didn't just say, hey, just blatantly interfere here and do a diving headbutt, right. or I'm gonna we're gonna high five in the rig, and that counts. It's just clear that Mongo is not here to wrestle. No. He's here to set up moves and break up ta- uh, pins if need be. Oh, by the way, the, the thing we just mentioned with Mongo, that is his only legal portion of this match. Oh, really? <laughs> he does not tag back in. Yeah, that sounds about right. Hogan then tags in to work over Benoit, and I noted it's so weird to see Chris Benoit face Hulk Hogan. That just that doesn't work in my brain. <laughs> yeah, you were saying like the greatest technical wrestler versus Hulk Hogan. No, I was saying the greatest technical wrestler versus Chris Benoit. You said the wrong thing. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I said it right there. But um, yeah, like the best technical wrestler in the company, maybe in the world at this point, versus Hogan, who the common phrases wouldn't know a wristwatch from a wrist lock or vice versa. Whatever it is. <laughs> greatest technical wrestler versus the worst wrestler. You cannot tell me that Hulk Hogan is a good wrestler. No one can tell me that Hulk Hogan is a good wrestler, and I will die on that hill. So the NWO beat down Benoit's. We're clearly just building towards a Ric Flair hot tag. Yeah. And, okay, actually, I need your opinion here. Because I said Bret Hart was the worst call of the night. Is Hogan blatantly using his belt as a weapon and the ref being generally fine with it worse? Yes. There wasn't even like, oh, come on, man. You know, stop that. Aww. I mean, a little no, bit, but it, it was like, it, yeah, it wasn't. You're right. That's highlight. probably the worst call. Yeah, because there were more of them. Because this was also way more blatant and wasn't a, like, accidental wrong place, wrong time sort of thing. True, because the ref was supposed to be distracted for the other right. robot. This, they didn't care if he saw. No. So, yeah, this is worse. Yeah, this is absolutely the worst call tonight. And he did it multiple times, right? Benoit dodges a leg drop, and Ric Flair gets the hot tag. Everyone brawls in the ring until they clear themselves out. Flair gets Hogan in the figure four, but Eric Bischoff suddenly appears around ringside selling foam fingers, and one of them has like a two-by-four in it. Yeah, not subtle. He hands that one to Nash. Nash then gets in the ring and hits Flair with the two-by-four, which I think might break. Yes, it does. It splinters. Ref calls to the bell. They win by DQ. I think they even announce it, too. And they kind of work over his partners. Bischoff then has a razor. They're now going to shave Ric Flair's head. But the WCW roster, and by the roster, I mean the undercard. Because... <laughs> this is where we get it our was boy a real, It was a real who's not of the roster. <laughs> and they make the save. Hogan claims that Flair tried to break his leg. I was like, really? Hulk? I don't think so. He says this while they're kind of backing up the aisle. But all of a sudden, on the stage appears Goldberg, who then starts to fight the rest of the NWO. And they end the broadcast with him fighting him off. Yeah. Big mess. Did not expect the DQ finish. I could have seen Flair going over Steiner, but I guess they want to keep everybody strong. 
I think this was a better brawl than the last episode. Yes. 100%. Commentary did note that it's like, oh my god, WCW is finally like sticking together. We'll see if this leads towards them overwhelming the NWO or if it's just a false kind of thing. God, we can only hope. We did peek at the next episode. We'll save that for the build part two. But just to give you a little tease, you will see Eric Bischoff in a dunk tank. A lot. A lot. <laughs> we also get uh, gl- Glass Skull Kimberly on the next <laughs> episode, too. But we'll have to wait for that next time. In the meantime, um, best bit of the build and MVP of the build so far. Okay, so I have my MVP of the build for sure. And that's Bret Hart. Like, I think that in this last episode, he had, like, a really good moment. Two moments, the promo and the the match. So I'm going to give that to him. I'm torn for my best bit. Because, like, I really love that promo. But I'm also going to give, like, I think I'm, uh, I don't know. You give me yours. I don't know. I'm giving my best bit to the promo. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, who, who are you to doubt Elta Andy heavily? <laughs> And my MVP, while really only doing matches, give it to Booker T. Booker T put on two great matches. Fair, yeah. And most, you know, best match on each one. Yeah, I'll probably give best bit to the Booker T Bret Hart match. Okay. Yeah. Feel good about that. We actually seem to have some things happening at Super Bowl. We have a card building. Yes, I think a lot of them get booked on the next episode. Yeah. But still, like we still have like three weeks until the show. Yeah, or until Super Bowl. We yeah. got three more weeks. Um, main event's going to be Hogan versus Ric Flair. Yeah, that's something. That's more than we had going into sold sold out. <laughs> yes. So we'll try to bring that to you soon. But in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod, and give us a follow on Spotify. Emily, any closing thoughts? How are you feeling on uh, on this? I know you were losing the will to live a little bit on the build to sold out. I was. I don't want to die as much on this one. I'm actually kind of getting excited for Super Roll. Okay. Which is something that I haven't said in a while for a WCW pay-per-view. So, yeah, I, I'm hopeful. I'm a little optimistic right now. All right. Oh, and next episode we get the uh, debut of Tori Wilson. Oh, fun. We saw her in the thumbnails. I don't know what she's yeah. going to be doing, but uh, she'll be... There, I guess. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. Thanks for listening. <laughs>